0: Hello beautiful people, I'm Patrick, and I'm Wojciech and you are listening to Brains and Beards show
1: Episode number 9, pre Pre-commit Hooks, Toxin or Cancer
0: Enjoy! Hello, hello Wojciech, uh, long time not see, not here, um, great to hear you Yeah, yeah How are you doing?
1: Great to hear you as well, we had a small break from from the podcast probably the listeners will notice it between episode seven and eight but actually for us the break was between eight and nine but we're back in action and hopefully things are gonna be smooth sailing now yeah i heard that the make or break point in the podcasting is after episode seventh episode so we made past it so
0: we're good yeah, and we are back after the break as well, so that's as well important. We had a lot of a lot of things on our plates and uh, there was as well some sickness. So yeah, what can we say? But we are back. We're back, that's what counts. Kind of... Yeah, and just to, to you know keep the ball rolling uh, with thought, we're going to start with some easy episodes. We're going to talk about pre-commit hooks, and uh, to be honest, I don't know why people have that in their projects, uh, but Wojtek... Promise me to explain why somebody would put it into the projects, and what uh, what the goal was of having something like that in the projects. And perhaps then we can talk about how why do we think that this is a, such a such a great idea to have something that in the projects.
1: First, let's be clear on what do we mean by pre-commit hooks. Somebody sets up the git repository in a way that. When you're trying to do git commit, some script uh, launches and something gets done. Usually what I saw is it was used to run either linter or prettier or both, or even uh, run the unit tests. I think it's pretty clear what they are trying to achieve. They want to have better code, like people who set it up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think this intention is clear. We all want to have better code. On the surface, it seems like it makes a lot of sense. Like you make sure the developer runs Prettier or runs Linter or runs unit tests before committing their code to the repository. Everybody is happy because the code is better, right?
0: Well, but you can commit still with no verify um, kind of, you know, like going over the commit hook and push a bad code to the repository. So Yeah, that's true. It's like a not a really guarantee that uh, when you're going to pull something from the repository, you're going to get a good code.
1: I'm going to come clean now. What I usually do in such a repository, I comment out the pre-commit hooks (laughs) and just try to remember not to commit my comments so they never run because everybody's happy except for the developer who's actually trying to commit code. At this point, we can be clear that like you don't like this, I don't like it, right?
0: Yes. And why do we, why don't we like it? Perhaps that is a... So it's
1: this part of the episode. Cool. So we settled down like basic <laughs> uh, assumption. This sucks. Here's Patrick and Wojtek te- telling you why. Awesome. This is my favorite, favorite part. First thing, it slows down the, the workflow because uh, usually when I make a decision to commit something, I want to commit it for a reason. I, I know it works and I already checked whether the linter is happy or the test pass, or even worse, I want to switch branches and I don't want to stash my changes. I want to do a work in progress commit because sometimes it happens that you you think you're gonna go back to this branch in like half an hour because you just have to fix a small bug on another branch, but actually this small bug is bigger than you expected and you stash your code, you go to the other branch, it takes you a week to fix the other bug, and then you come back and all your code disappeared and you don't remember that you stashed it. For this reason, I usually do a work in progress commit and I know the code is there, and later I just reset the head to the previous commit and this disappears. And with a pre-commit hook that rejects your commit if the linter doesn't pass, usually on my work-in-progress commit, the linter does not pass or the tests do not pass because I have something open. Yeah, exactly. So so yeah, that's one thing is complicated. Stashing code, stashing the work-in-progress and switching branches. Second thing is that the more tasks you run in this pre-commit hooks, the more time you're losing. If it takes, I know, 20 seconds for the linter, 10 seconds for the TypeScript, I know, a minute for the unit test. It's two minutes that you lose on every single commit. And what I consider a good Git history is a history full of smaller, meaningful commits. So it actually punishes you if you're following the good guidelines. And it encourages you to just like drop one huge commit at the end of your workday. Because then you only go through this pain once. Which is also a bad habit, in my opinion. What else? Patrick,
0: now you chip in. (laughs) I have the same. Like, for example, if I'm reviewing a code of somebody then I, I really like to check it out um, locally and not just read the history in, in the GitLab or GitHub, but uh, check it out and see what the, the VS code, whatever ID you're using is telling you if everything is fine. Sometimes I have a proposal, so instead of doing um, programming in the GitLab, I prefer to, to try it out in uh, directly locally, if uh, why my proposal makes sense. This is exactly the same as you. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my stash changes. I'm doing, uh, if I have to leave my branch and I have something open, I really prefer to have a work in progress uh, committed to the locally to the branch. It's much easier to fix conflicts uh, in that way than uh, fixing conflicts from the stash. I know you're not going to lose much, but it's much easier to lose a commit from the stash than from the local history, I would say. Perhaps it's not true, but it's just my, my opinion. And um, it's, for me, it's as much more convenient as well to, to work with the uh, graphical changes uh, which you have in the history in comparing to the stash, which is just basically a list of codes. So yeah, I don't like it. I think it, it takes time to switch it off. If you need to, you know, like do this no verify or something like that, because you have a different work workflow for for your staff, what you're doing. And uh, basically, I think it's a wrong way to to put a gate. I think it's uh, super valuable to to have only good commit when you share it with others. But I think that's why you should put this gate. This, uh, this guard, this this linters, tests, uh, execution and everything else into the, the CI where you have a single source of truth and then you have as well a valid code there. But this task shouldn't be you know propagated down to the developers who can very easily <laughs> disable these hooks anyway. So yeah, it's like pointless.
1: Th- that's a very good point because uh, we're not really talking about whether you should enforce linters or not enforce linters. We're talking about which stage it should happen. It shouldn't happen on the developer machine. Yeah. That's what the continuous integration servers is for. I also, it crossed my mind one minor pet peeve I have with it, that when it's badly configured, uh, that those scripts will sometimes run a linter on all the local changes that you have and not on the code that you're actually committing. So it could be that you're committing valid yes. code that passes the linter but it checks something that you have locally on the machine. I think there it's, there uh, there's a way to configure it properly that does not do it. Also I think I've only seen it done once uh, once in the correct way and a few times in the in the wrong way. Yeah. But the biggest problem I see in it is that it undermines the morale in the team because Kind of says the developer cannot be trusted to make their own decision, and you have to have a machine telling the developer what he's allowed to do and what he's not allowed to do. And I don't think humans like to be to be told that, like developers in particular. We like our autonomy, we like the way we do things. And in the end, you can you always have this gateway where when somebody's doing a pull request. There can be a comment from the CI server. Sorry, like the linter is not passing. Please fix it before we merge it.
0: Yeah, and and that if you have it in uh, in the CI or only in one place, then you have it only in one place. Now you have a complicated setup which has to be you know checked locally. If that's everything uh, what you need to check, uh, and then one more time the scripts has to be a little bit different run on the CI. And you have just duplicated stuff everywhere, which is never good. And uh, it uh, just obfuscates uh, the important part of the project, which is, you know, like making sure that everything uh, runs as, as it should. The the more you projects you have, the more uh, code you have and services you have, you, you really tend to find only one place to rule it all. Like, you know, when you have... Uh, all the aspects of one thing, like this, um, what I'm talking here is like the aspect would be keeping the code clean or whatever, or, or passing tests and so on. To have everything like that in one place, just to make sure that everybody understands what's going on and not having like a part of it here and other part every, somewhere else.
1: Okay, I totally agree. I think it's going to be a boring episode when we, when we agree on stuff. But I think we have it covered. We talk about uh, what it is, that it sucks, why it sucks, and what's the alternative, which is basically put this check on the CI server. So I think we can wrap it up and call it a day, right?
0: I think so. I mean, like we thought about this episode because there are still some teams which likes it and perhaps they don't saw a different setups. Um I mean, like on some point you have to realize that it just doesn't give you anything and it just costs you time and uh, makes the setup more complicated. This is the, you know, small things. It's perhaps nothing big, but, you know, if you start to add the small things, these small stones, can you say that? Like the obstacles you throw in your way, then on some point you're just going to go so slow forward that it's going to be not fun to, to, you know, like to work. In, in the setup so yeah i think every project has things which can be optimized and i think removing this pre-commit hooks and setting up a real ci server especially because right now i think every platform gives you a free almost free ci servers you don't have to pay for it perhaps in the past the ci servers were a cost point and that's why people attempt to to run these jobs on their local machines, but today? I don't think so. I, I'm sure GitHub gives you like, I don't know, 2,000 minutes for sh- for free every month. GitLab probably the same. So, so why do you prefer to run it on locally? It's not really not a good alternative to having a CI server.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think the CI times for things like this are either free or very cheap right now. It's a different story for end-to-end testing, but for the simple unit tests or linters and prettiers. It's super. It's pretty cheap. Cool. That's a short tip from us for your first day. I hope you and your team don't have to deal with this problem. But now, if you do, now you know what kind of podcast sent to your colleagues uh, just before the next sprint retrospective, so we have something to talk about.
0: Or perhaps we are totally wrong, and you have like super uh, great reason why you need it, and we don't know about it. Then yeah, please tell us. We open for feedback if we're telling some stupid things. In this case, I don't think so, <laughs> because we, we really test it a lot. But perhaps there is something. I would be really happy to know about it.
1: Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm also curious for like a good usage of a pre-comic hook on a development machine. That would, could be an interesting story.
0: Okay, cool.
1: Thanks, Patrick. It was nice to talk to you again. And yeah, see you next week.
0: See you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Ciao. Thank you for listening to the episode. Please subscribe if you haven't yet. And if you like our show, consider sharing it with your friends. You will find notes to this episode on our page, brainsandbeards.com podcast, where you can as well give us feedback or suggest a topic for the future episodes. We would be very happy hearing back from you. Stay safe and curious till the next one. Bye.